Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of St. Bonaventure. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that just as we celebrate the heavenly birthday of the Bishop, St. Bonaventure, we may benefit from his great learning and constantly imitate the ardour of his charity. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The Lord of hosts says this, Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the club brandished by me in my fury. I sent him against a godless nation. I gave him commission against a people that provokes me, to pillage and to plunder freely, and to stamp down like the mud in the streets. But he did not intend this. His heart did not plan it so. No, in his heart was to destroy to go on cutting nations to pieces without limit. For he has said, By the strength of my own arm I have done this, and by my own intelligence for understanding is mine. I have pushed back the frontiers of peoples and plundered their treasures. I have brought their inhabitants down to the dust. As if they were a bird's nest, my hand has seized the riches of the peoples. As people pick up deserted eggs, I have picked up the whole earth, and with not a wing fluttering, not a beak opening, not a chirp. Does the axe claim more credit than the man who wields it, or the saw more strength than the man who handles it? It would be like the cudgel controlling the man who raises it, or the club moving what is not made of wood. And so the Lord of hosts is going to send a wasting sickness on his stout warriors, Beneath his plenty, a burning will burn, like a consuming fire. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord will not abandon his people. The Lord will not abandon his people. They crush your people, Lord. They afflict the ones you have chosen. They kill the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless children. The Lord will not abandon his people. And they say, The Lord does not see. The God of Jacob pays no heed. Mark this, most senseless of people, fools, when will you understand? 
The Lord will not abandon his people. Can he who made the ear not hear? Can he who formed the eye not see? Will he who trains nations not punish? Will he who teaches men not have knowledge? The Lord will not abandon his people. The Lord will not abandon his people, nor forsake those who are his own. For judgment shall again be just, and all true hearts shall uphold it. The Lord will not abandon his people. Alleluia, alleluia. Blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus exclaimed, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. Yes, Father, for that is what it pleased you to do. Everything has been entrusted to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, just as no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You know, every now and then the church isn't very kind to her preachers. Um, we're getting this gospel for like the third time in the last number of weeks. It usually gets joined to the second part of the gospel, which we'll hear tomorrow. Come to me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I'll give you rest. But I suppose getting this gospel now um, during the weekday cycle of readings as opposed to just being on a Sunday um, helps us to build a little bit of the context around it because, you know, we've just finished Jesus' mission discourse. You know, he calls the 12 apostles and then he gives them, you know, a whole bunch of instructions, you know, carry no purse, don't have a sack, you know, greet no one on the streets, all that sort of stuff. And then Jesus goes about and does a bit of his own preaching. But what's interesting is that it's here that he starts to get a bit of opposition. Up until now, he's been pretty popular. You know, the, the people have marveled at his preaching, you know, especially the Sermon on the Mount. He finished the sermon and, and everyone says, well, we've never heard anything like this. this. This bloke, he speaks with authority, unlike our own scribes. But here we start to see uh, a few problems arising. Uh, we hear about Bethsaida and Chorazin and Capernaum not responding to the preaching of Jesus. We skipped this bit in the gospel, um, but Jesus also, he has a pretty strong critique for his generation. He, he says, there's nothing that we can do to please you or get through to you. You know, he says, look... John the Baptist came and he didn't eat or drink and then you guys say that he's possessed and then the Son of Man comes and does eat and drink and then you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. There's no pleasing you. There's no satisfying you. It doesn't matter what we do. You're completely closed off. So, you know, we get to this point and Jesus is experiencing the start of the opposition that's going to lead all the way to Calvary. But what's amazing is is that in the face of this opposition, you know, this growing tension with the uh, religious authorities, that Jesus then says this. He says, I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. You see, Jesus, he's not having a whole lot of success with scribes and Pharisees. He's not having a whole lot of success with the professional religious. And then Jesus thanks the Father for that. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever. Now, I'm guessing if we were experiencing some of that lack of success, we might be a bit despondent. But Jesus, on the other hand, he thanks the Father. He thanks the Father that it has pleased him to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to the little ones. Now, I don't know. I I might have thought that Jesus would say in prayer to the Father, gee, help me to get through to them. Help me to win over the learned and the clever, the wise the professional religious. But he seems to be content to let them go. Now, here, the learned and the clever, it's, it's not just referring to people who are smart. It's referring particularly to those who, through practice, have gained a certain mastery over a particular field. They're the, they're the experts, right? Now, that can breed a certain kind of arrogance, a kind of self-assuredness that... You know, I've got an answer for every question. And, you know, you can see this coming out of the scribes and the Pharisees. They've, they've got an answer for every question and they've got a challenge for every proposition that Jesus makes. And he can't make headway with them. As he said, you know, John came fasting and, you know, you said he's possessed. I come eating and drinking and you call me a glutton and a drunkard. There's no winning with you blokes. Neither John nor me, could ever get through to you. Somehow they've become experts in the details and have lost the big picture, the, the trajectory of the whole scriptures that are, that are pointing to Jesus. Instead, Jesus praises his Father for revealing these things to mere children. You know, he, he refers here to um, infants, like little kids, I was reading a um, commentary that was pointing out that that word for for infants um, literally means no speech. You know, kids who are so young that they, they don't talk yet. That the Father has revealed the mysteries of the kingdom to them. Now, it's at that point that Jesus, he starts speaking about his relationship with God. He says, everything has been entrusted to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father, just as no one knows the father except the son, and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. You know, this gospel is three verses long, and Jesus says the word father five times. And he refers to himself as the son three times. On top of that, Jesus praises the Father for revealing these things to mere children. So who are these children? They're the ones who are willing to look towards God as Father. And curiously then, Jesus himself doesn't count himself amongst the learned and the clever. He doesn't count himself among the professional religious who have mastered the scriptures. Instead, He knows himself to be the Son. 
one of the little ones, one of the mere children, who knows his dependence on the father. In fact, he's the one who knows it better than anyone else. He's the one who is the son who is able to reveal the father to others. But only to those who are willing to receive God as father. And that's the sad thing, that the learned and the clever, they're unwilling to place themselves in a position of dependence upon God. They're unwilling to become infants in his hands. And to receive a revelation which isn't something that they've figured out or isn't the product of their own thinking. In this moment, Jesus rejoices in what it has pleased the Father to accomplish. Listen again. I bless you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for hiding these things from the learned and the clever and revealing them to mere children. Yes, Father, for that is what it pleased you to do. Jesus embraces the will of the Father because he's the Son. And we too are drawn into his sonship. We too are able to rejoice in what it has pleased the Father to do. When we too receive him as Father and place ourselves in the position of being mere children. Now I don't think this is a diatribe from Jesus against study or against knowledge or against wisdom. I think it's a pretty strong diatribe though against pride and arrogance and an unwillingness to receive a revelation of something that we haven't seen before, that we haven't heard before. And the experts are prone to this because they're experts to set themselves up as as the limit. And they're so good at quoting scripture and manipulating scripture that at the end of the day, they're not open to anything new, anything different. You know, there's a a saying that um, is attributed to George Orwell that says, some ideas are so stupid that only intellectuals believe them. I think think we all have a kind of, you know, shrug of familiarity at that sort of sentiment because, you know, the experts are the ones who can draw on any number of arguments in order to justify any kind of position. But what's real? What's true? It's only the little ones who are able to receive from the Father the revelation of what's true. So that's got to be us. We need to place ourselves in that position of being among the blessed children who are capable of receiving the revelation. And then receiving the Father as Father, he reveals to us his Son. And his Son reveals the Father to us. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope 
and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot, at this moment, receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.